Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalp would be thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got myself with my boy Chris. And I tell you what, we're going to be talking some uh, some Malifaux today. And, you know, Chris, you had a really interesting time this weekend playing Malifaux. I, I even you know, put a tweet even put a tweet out there saying that we got a nice little rage quit story. So you're a yeah, big asshole, Pete. I brought on somebody to help you out because we have some Southeastern players who also like playing Malifaux and we're really starting to enjoy it as well. So I brought on Brandon, Brandon Lynch from on down the road in Georgia to help you out. So first off, Brandon, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Can't really uh, <laughs> good. complain too much. <laughs> I'm going to have Chris kind of share his experience this weekend and then, yeah, we'll just have you kind of react and, and share any thoughts you have about the, uh, the situation. So, so Chris, I, I was playing Jackdaw Outcast, and and what were you playing? I was playing the Victorias that I've had for years, but never played. So I, they're, they're new to me, even though I've had the models for a long time. And it was some fucking bullshit. <laughs> okay, why, why did you say that? So the whole reason why I got these models and when I originally bought them was I talked to my friends and I was like, okay, you know, I want these... I want models that are going to be like these melee monsters. And I was like, okay, here's these like hot chicks with swords and they're going to like fuck people up. And I tried to do that against fucking Frankenstein with a noose and that shit went poorly. So (laughs) I'm ready to put these motherfuckers up on Facebook marketplace or eBay because I'm just, pissed this is fucking ridiculous like what's the point of taking these guys if they can't like go fucking slice and dice people up and just kind of give the audience more of an idea of what actually happened in you brandon is that basically he ended up getting the two masters up into montressor and that turn that they got in there they did some decent damage i think they put four or five you know boxes on them but something chris didn't know coming into it is that they have terrifying so he was you know, having to flip for that each attack, a couple of them he whiffed. And then I ended up stoning some of the damage off. That way he didn't take, you know, all the damage. And he ended up killing him. But once per turn, he comes back with four hit points with a demise trigger. So needless to say, he got frustrated and he was like, oh, now I'm going to go over here and kill Jack Daw. And I'm like, well, I can discard a card to, you know, only take one damage. You have to take a Terrify 13 check. So Chris ended up no cards in hand, no models dead, and he threw his deck at me. (laughs) I can just imagine. Yeah. So I don't know, Brandon. I mean, you've been playing the game for longer than we have. I mean, what do you tell a guy like Chris who just wants to bang his head up against the wall? Well, first off, learn the game. It's completely different. A lot of things are 
just different. With the Vix, they can put out a lot of damage, but they're also kind of glass hammery, and you're playing against Monstressor and Jackdaw, which just soak up damage left and right. Uh, I feel, first off, his first mistake wasn't focus firing. Well, and I was talking to one of our guys around the area, too, and I mean... They're pretty like you can actually scheme quite a bit with the Vix just because of how fast they are. So you can actually just kind of like decide not to kill stuff and just go to dropping schemes and, you know, winning by a scenario. Yeah, I was actually uh, talking to you about that yesterday. One of our henchmen down here started playing the Vix like that and just threw everybody completely off. I mean, you have two two masters with six AP with the free pushes and the teleports, they get around the board, and you can't catch up to them. Yeah, because, Chris, you actually kind of threw me off with, like, how far those those two chicks move, because I was just like, you you were, like, all the way across the board, and I was like, oh, okay, well, at least you only got one attack the turn that you came across the board, so. Yeah. Th- I don't know how you... I don't know if you feel like using them that way. No, I don't. I want to fucking kill some things. This is fucking bullshit. So <laughs> this is what the p- turn that pissed me off, right? So I go into like this fucking guy, Monstressor or whatever, and Monstressor. He, he has a name. Whatever. Fucking Frankenstein with a noose. Um. So I go in there and I didn't kill him like the first time I went in there. So I was like, all right, like you know, I get it. Like you, he's got a lot of boxes or whatever. The next turn, he has two hitboxes, and I know he's going to get, like, the four, you know, free, the four free uh, hit, po- hit points once he goes yeah. to zero, right? So I go in there, and I'm like, okay, I can go first. I've got the two Victorias. I can, you know, put them back to back. And so, and then I've got, I've also got... Vanessa Chambers on like the midline. So I'm going in there and using the uh, that one counts as mine uh, ability on the uh, katana. And so I end up getting off, let's see. I, I, I need to get I need to get six hitboxes in total. I get off seven attacks and I do five damage. Like this is some <laughs> fucked upness. Like there's so Brandon, so you good. tell me you're the one that knows this game. What the fuck can I play where when I actually want to push the button on somebody and fucking kill them, I can actually fucking kill them. Get yourself some uh steam arachnid swarms from uh Arcanists. They have they're they're just stupid. They're the big hotness right now. Built in onslaught triggers, which means they get a minimum of four attacks. They can use their bonus action as a walk. They get positives to damage flips if they're above half. They're insane. Okay. So that's that's what again? What what with the Archimus? Spell <laughs> <Still> that. <laughs> Steam arachnid swarms. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because Chris was like, listen to any podcast hey, hey, and everybody's bitching about them. So you, I was going to say, granted, them. I mean, Montressor should have died that turn, but. It, it wasn't impossible that he was going to live because I still had two stones and if, and Chris had some bad flips with his terrifying checks and you know, Dude, I had good. two 11s, a 12 and a 13 in my hand. Yeah. And I still wasn't able to fucking kill this guy. Gotcha. Guy's six box. This is, ugh, I'm so pissed. Well, 
That is one thing you got to watch out though with the swarms. You got to look out because going against terrifying, I think the swarms only have a willpower of three or four, so it's going to be <laughs> even worse. So, like, yeah, because I mean, with the terrifying, it's like you have to do like double the double the the attacks, right? You like you have to you have to succeed in attacking them two times, in essence. Yeah, just it depends because like yeah. I was talking to Nick from our group. And he's getting into the guild, and and I think he picked up Sonya, and Sonya would is just like a beast against like what Jack Dawes crew brings, just because they do a lot of like condition damage, and her willpower is high, and I mean, there's just there's there's a now, lot of counters to it. You just got to play the counter. Did you uh, did you bring uh, Taylor into your list? Because she's ruthless. Yeah, you don't yeah. care about terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Tell tell him where Taylor was. Yeah, so Taylor's like on the other side of the fucking table on one of the wings, like doing jack shit. And so, like, I mean, part of this is like I'm new, right? So, like, lesson learned, like, if there's terrifying models, Taylor has to go, like, lined up against them, right? Like, so so I get I get that aspect, right? But, like, even considering that, you would think that, like, full turns worth of, like, going into one model you could actually fucking kill that model. It's just like I like as as I as I sat there and watched that, like I was just like I don't know if these bitches need like some more willpower or you know something so that like they get more success with with that like I I, I just felt like it was it was a really a really fucked up, you know, inept situation. And to be fair, Chris, I did bring Jack Daw just because I knew it would frustrate you because he's so you're a big asshole. just non traditional. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that kind of uh, and that's what I wanted to talk about today when we brought you on, Brandon. Not just you know how to get Chris to you know chill out, but just looking at Malifaux for those that I mean, obviously most people that are listening to this probably already played it or at least know what it is, but it's a different type of skirmishing game because it's not like I think Chris is used to guild ball and other games where it's like, I have a very, you know, my team does this well and I can go do that into anything I want. Whereas in Malifaux, there's a lot of checks and balances, meaning like a lot of rock, paper, scissors where it's like certain guilds are going to counter other ones very hard or not even guilds, but masters and crews. So yeah, I mean, it's just one thing I want to talk to you today about, Brandon, was just like, how do you, when you go into these tournaments and you play against people, how do you determine, like, what's your most solid crew? What are some of your counter picks? Like, what are some good tech pieces you want to think about bringing? So I just kind of want to start off with with that topic on, you know, when you line up against your opponent, like, what what is a solid guild and then what are some kind of other or I keep calling them guild, but solid crews and what are other crews that might be more specialized for different things? Yeah. So the rock, paper, scissors aspect is huge in this game. It really determines a lot. When I go to a tournament, I've been playing uh, 10 thunders recently and my main master, the one that I played a lot is Mayfang. I've been playing her even through Arcanist since the beginning of the beta. But if someone declares Resurrectionist, I do not take her just because she just straight up loses to uh, several of their masters. They can get rid of all of my scrap that I'm generating. So really knowing 
your crew and knowing what your opponents might be playing is really huge. That's the first thing that you're. So Chris is Chris likes playing Vix, and let's well, say he didn't more. Know, well, let's say he didn't know I was playing Jack Daw. It's like, would you drop Vix into an Outcast kind of mirror matchup, or do you think that was a kind of a bad drop? I think I would. Uh, I haven't really played Vix or against Vix that much, um, nor Jack Dahl. I've got him up, painted up as uh, a Rezzers, but Vix should be fast enough, especially knowing you play Jack Dahl a lot. You should be able to run around them. Uh, they do. The stagger's going to hurt a bunch, but the Vix can run it. Can't rely on that melee from the Vix. With this game, because of the way like the activations work and like the movement and getting double movement in some cases or elements like that, I feel like the threat ranges are much longer than a lot of other games. And so is if I want to go and kill things, right? I, I, I recognize and, and you don't have to reiterate because I'm sure that so many people listening to this are going to think, yeah, he, he keeps talking about killing things, but you have to actually play the schemes and all that. I understand I need to learn those schemes, right? But I still like teams that can deal out a lot of damage, right? I like I, I don't like I don't like janky stuff. I like things that are that are very punch you in the face and straightforward. If I'm willing to adapt and do something that does more of that, but from range, is that a better way to do things than? from melee in this game just because of the ranges being so much longer once again it really does come down a little bit to crew selection i find that range is stronger in this game than melee for the most part especially if you want to stick with outcasts when you have a master like uh von schill who can you know ignore that hard to wound a monstressor he can really take him down, or even Leviticus can just melt models off the table. And Leviticus's uh, henchman, Ruxy Alice, is just a beast getting three turns with a min three gun. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, um, I know looking at a lot of different um, options Chris would have in the guild, I know right now Chris only has Vix and Outcast, so I mean, obviously his selections are a little less. But yeah, I mean, when you look at some of those other masters, like Von Schill's like handing out all these buffs and stuff. And if you brought Von Schill against Jack Daw, I mean, and you ignore hard to kill, like hard to wound, most of my stuff has hard to wound. So it's like that would just make it where it's like you're just straight up flipping it, no negs. And yeah, you're just going to town with that damage, Chris. Okay, so basically what I'm understanding here, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's about adding more pieces of the outcasts and then understanding well enough what my opponent is doing. It's not It's not that I'm identifying that these outcasts can't do what I want to do. It's just a matter of adding the models that I need to meet the matchup. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, bringing the right models is huge. Um, if you want to bring the Vix for some of that, you can also... Uh, bring in a second master. You can bring in models from out of keyword. That one point tax, as long as you're not doing it on many of them, isn't going to hurt much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like models, like, and you already brought it up, Brandon, like Rusty Alice. Like I added, like, I added her to my Parker crew just because Parker likes to kind of run and gun and stay at range, anyways. 
So Rusty Alice getting three shots that are just, you know, blowing models off the table was just kind of like the icing on the cake. It was just really good in that Parker crew that I was running. So looking at it, because I think a lot of people in our meta are still kind of new to the game. But one thing that we're trying to figure out is like, okay, we want a starting spot. So Brandon, in your kind of experience, what, and we don't even have to use the same, um, same guilds or same, uh, sorry, factions we've been talking about, but what are some crews that you're like, this is a really solid crew that is almost a, you know, all comers kind of crew where they can almost adapt to anything. What are some of those crews that are really good like that, where it's like, yes, they have a pretty good matchup against almost everything. Uh, well, right now the, the big boogeyman is, uh, the Shen Long. He's pretty simple. He's kind of a, one trick pony, but he is like one of the, the strongest ones out there. Uh, don't is know. that the uh, shirtless monk dude? Yes. That is the shirtless monk dude. I have him painted up, but I haven't played him just because everybody says he's too overpowered. So what makes what makes him overpowered? So the, the biggest thing with him is he's, his crew can smack him to give him distracted, which is usually pretty bad. But at the beginning of his activation, he can put on uh, different upgrades. One of these upgrades on his attack allows him to push an extra six inches and then make an attack. So you're adding extra threat ranges, but the real kicker on the first turn or second turn is he turns all negative into positives and all positive flips into negatives. Ah. So his distracted turns his... uh, regular attack into a negative flip which then because of drunken kung fu flips it into a positive flip and then when he goes into a damage he cheats just enough to get a negative flip which then turns his damage flip into a positive okay so he's just and is that for 10 thunders that is 10 thunders yeah okay and his so he's kind of like one of the big ones that lots of people like bringing right now yeah his crew also has a lot of you know they got High mobility, or good mobility, I should say. Uh, you know, good damage output, lots of healing. They really got a little bit of everything. I think Chris would like the 10 Thunders, and it's pretty obvious why. Oh, yeah, I think Chris would love the 10 well, Thunders. Yeah, I played some other, and this was in a demo game, so I don't even know who they are, but I'm sure you will. I played like some other like ninja chicks. Um that I think were 10 thunders. It was the one master that could like ninja vanish. And she had like shadow markers. Yeah. That's that Masaki. Yeah. Masaki. yeah. She has a lot of obeys, which gives her also uh, positive flips really good at denying some uh, assassinate pulls. Uh, oh yeah. This would be way better. Her willpower is way higher. She could like just pass <laughs> okay. the fucking tests. Keep in mind, not everybody's playing Jack Daw, Chris. So I mean, she, listen, she just I want to fuck yeah. up your shit, Pete. That's well, my another goal. Another thing too about her is, if you just want to go after um, Jack Daw, there is a ton of ruthless models in um, Thunders. I mean, you got Ototo, which is Ten Odom. Yeah, Ten Thunders. Yeah. Um, you got the Lone Swordsman, who's underrated, and you yourself can put out some terrifying duels as well. Yeah, and then you don't have to be in the same guild uh, or same faction that I'm in. You can, you know, not be in the outcast because that's like I was in the outcast first. No, you. you oh, well, I have more masters than you, so it's mine now. Well, no, 
Um, <laughs> I said Pete won the last game, so he won the rights for the faction. No, that's not how this works. <laughs> yeah, that is how it works. Pink slips. Pink slip. Shut up. I hate you, guys. Okay, so I do have I do have another set of models, another crew of models, and I just kind of want your impressions as it relates to like me and knowing me. I've got like these Nephilim models, I guess, like and Lilith, Lila, little uh, somebody. Yeah, the problem with Lilith is she's in dead man's hand, so you can't use her in most of your tournaments. Uh, Why can't um, you use her? She's just OP or something or what? No, they have a select models uh, and it's called a dead man's hand that where you just cannot use them in tournaments. Well, most tournaments, I should say, because they're either dead in the story or missing or incapacitated somehow. What, but um, I mean, like, OK, I get I get that they they line up the story to do that. But like what I'm saying is. Is it because she's like OP or something like that? Like, I mean, why? Why? I think it's just because they killed her off. Yeah, it's all it's all based on the the story of the fluff. Uh, she is trapped in a prison and can't get out. But her sister, um, Nekima, is the new Lilith, which she's better than Lilith in any way. And I actually made the suggestion to Pete about you trying them out because they are straight up death machines. Uh, I was playing against Brian when I first got into the game. And I was playing Sandeep with Bonasuva, who has seven hit points plus a shielding. And first turn, he one shot at my totem, which <laughs> is also my, uh, in for, or my henchman for the group with a mature Nephilim, just straight up. Oh, well, yeah. Cheat in the Red Joker for eight damage. You're dead. Fuck. <laughs> that sounds like what Chris is all about right there. Yeah, yeah. I want to kill your guys a lot. So those Nephilim, those Nephilim, like, they're... My understanding, and I, I've never played them, right? I just have them in a box. Um, my understanding is, like, basically, as the rounds progress, they go from, like, baby ones to, like, full-grown ones. Yeah, and they get like really, really strong. Is that the essence of it? That's their that's their core mechanic. They have a grow mechanic where they can eat corpse tokens to become you know the next stage up. Which the the okay. member that actually killed my guy started off as a young nephilim, and with their other models, they basically just threw a bunch of corpses around him. So when he activates, he eats the corpse and gets bigger. Okay. And then I've also got, like, I guess with those same guys, I've got, like, some evil teddy bear. Uh, and so teddy? I got that guy, too. But I don't know if he can run with them. I mean, he can. It's a matter of whether he synergizes well with them. I don't really think he goes well in a Nephilim crew. Yeah, and I think one of the things that new players in general kind of need to use, because Chris made a comment when we were playing our game that, you know, by the time he got near me, he's like, well, I'm getting shot off the board, you know, while I'm approaching you and trying to get into melee. And that's where I think using terrain a little better would have benefited Chris, because a lot of the models that were getting shot up were the ones that were out of cover or the ones that were kind of just streaking down, down the field. So, I mean, Brandon, you can probably talk this better than us, but how important, like, first off, how much terrain is good on the board? And then, you know, 
how how important is it, especially in competitive play, to use your terrain wisely? Uh, yeah, terrain's been a ongoing battle back and forth. If you get on the weird place, you'll see it. Everybody's oh, that's not enough terrain. That's that's too much terrain. Uh, the new gaining grounds suggested fifty percent of the board as terrain. What I've been doing is kind of going more thirty percent and keeping it also not all blocking, not all um, severe, having a good mixture of terrain. I don't think people use uh, concealing terrain enough. Concealing terrain really hinders uh, shooting teams or it gets a negative to the hit, and then with the cover you get a negative to the damage. So using the terrain is huge, but there's an ongoing battle of how much to actually use. Yeah, concealment's definitely annoying. <laughs> so, and let me ask you this question about the train, because, like, there were literally times where I was playing this game, and I tried to put, like, a Ronin directly behind, like, a building, right? And I just felt like Pete would be like, okay, I'm going to take my first activation and move this guy, and now I have an angle where I can see this person, and now I'm shooting him. And I'm like... How am I supposed to use this terrain then? Like, I mean, like, what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm, I'm right up against it. I'm, I'm, you know, hiding. And how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to get like the right advantage here where I can be like directly behind something and that's impeding my movement to turn around and be able to charge you and get into melee. But you're able to be like, oh, I'm going to move four inches or five inches or whatever out at an angle and I can shoot you anyway because I can reach across the whole board. Pew pew. Were you uh so what am I getting wrong? Was any of the base, was any line of sight constricted by the terrain? I would imagine. Then you get cover. You, you if any part of the line of sight, if you cannot go from base to base with another model and you are in base with the blocking terrain you should have had cover which gives you plus one defense and a minus flip to the any Pete, damage. did you know this fact well most of the shots i had you weren't getting cover because i went off on an angle but okay well now i feel like a i got a little bit hustled by pete and two still the same question like okay what happens when they just move out at an angle and can shoot me anyway I wasn't going to tell you to get in cover where I was going to give it to you. So be a better teacher at games, asshole. <laughs> like, that was our first was game that we actually played of Malifaux. I wanted the victory. You're a dick. Like <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous. So, um, okay. So lesson learned. Pete's an asshole. Um, second lesson is like, yeah. What about when he just kind of moves out and like is able to get a clear line, like? It just seems really easy to get shots off in this game. Like, it, it, am I incorrect in this assessment? You're not incorrect. But once again, that goes down to crew selection, where you know you're playing against Jack Daw, so you know you're going to have fighting a lot of guns, to where if he chose, say, the Vix, you know you weren't going to have a lot of guns. So that also kind of factors into crew building. Yeah, I was going to say, because you can actually pick somebody, Chris, in your crew selection that can give out like concealment or can give out cover to you. So that's just kind of knowing your crews and kind of knowing what you want to bring to counter that. So like once you see me bring like a shooty list, then bring something that helps, you know, slow that down or helps prevent, you know, 
me taking full advantage of that. Can anybody put down giant clouds? Yeah. Okay. Well, who's that person? Uh, who is that? Titania from uh, Titania from Neverborn. Her whole faction, uh, her kind of keyword shtick is at the beginning of the game. You place for each one a fifty millimeter severe concealing terrain that your crew ignores. So if you bring mm. seven models, you're placing seven of these fifty millimeter uh, terrain pieces that are concealing. Uh, she's also throwing some down. Uh, some of her models can create more throughout the game as well. So basically I can create a big wall where they can't see through it to shoot, and if they do come close enough, then I go kill them. Well, they can still see through it, but they'll be at negatives to hit. Yeah, and like Nick's been playing the Frontier keyword, like Cornelius and them, and they have a model, Chris, that actually it's like if you're within, I think, X amount of their aura, I don't remember if it's two or three or whatever, but... Uh, you get concealment if you're just within that aura. So there's lots of models in the game that do help kind of slow down shooting. Uh, here is a another upgrade that you would love, which why you should also come to Ten Thunders. They have a general upgrade that just gives anybody stealth, which means they can't be targeted from more than six inches away. And can Oops. I use that with a ninja chick? That's with any Ten Thunders master. Any yeah, ten so th yeah. It's just their basic upgrade. Prepare to get fucking ninjaed. <laughs> I can tell you, and people you know that listen to the show for any amount of time will know that Chris hates a stand back and shoot list with a passion. Yeah, like when you were playing Jack Dawn, you like jumped him over like the walls and then like ran like a bitch afterward and like got behind the walls again. I was like, you asshole. Because <laughs> Jack Daw don't care about terrain. Yeah, that was super annoying. Just come out Did and you, fight uh, me like a man. A man with a noose around his neck. Well, you know what? Uh, I think it's Monstressor's alt is just a tree with people hanging from it. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> That'd be funny. I like that. Come to the hanging tree, Chris. Well, you know what would be good is if I could like cut people out of the tree by, you know, I don't know, having katanas. But, oh no, I can get seven attacks and only do five damage. Well, it sounds like Chris is starting to convert to the Ten Thunder, so... Ray. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, well, I, I don't know. Maybe I need to trade, like, the Neverborn models for, like, Ten Thunder models or something like that. I mean, and Chris, I mean, you were the one that you're talking about how you someday would like to play a lot of Bushido, and, I mean, a lot of those Ten Thunder models kind of are in that same vein as far as, like, aesthetics. You know, I actually... For, it's not uh, the aesthetics that I want to play Bushido for. Although I do think they look cool. But the uh, the one uh, model, Wan Yandu, I need it for my kit because uh, Monaco Ray can summon him. I can't get him outside of that kit, so I had the two models. So I actually bought the Bushido Wan Yandu as a proxy for my Ten Thunders. Nice. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, also, the other, we got Kabuki Warriors that aren't out yet. I ordered, uh, I think it was like Cade from Bushido as proxies for them as well. Oh, that's convenient. That's super convenient. So the next thing that I think you need to sell to Chris and other people that are just learning the game, because when people learn the game, I know that killing is the fun thing to do. And it's like, yeah, I just killed this guy and did all this damage. 
But I mean, can you tell us, Brandon, really the importance of your strategies and schemes and kind of like, I mean, most of the time, aren't you winning the game through those and not just killing, you know, your opponents? Oh, yeah. Um, the last tournament that I played up in uh, North Carolina, the I think it was third round or fourth round. I started with eight models, ended with two and still one just because yeah. I was able to control the strat, which it was cursed idols. I was able to get four or three points off the idols and deny my opponent even one. So I tried to play. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, part of this is just learning. them. like, I was trying to play some of the schemes, but like I, I picked like a Ronin that like was a secretly hidden pick. And then I guess I just picked like the wrong guy. Cause I was like, okay, well, Here's Monstressor, and I'm going to pick him, and if I can get him below half, which I did, you know, and he still stays alive, I could get a victory point. But then I had to keep, like, the Ronin alive, too, and the Ronin just got, like, wiped the fuck out. So I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> oh, is that uh, the one on the flank that I, like, blew up its mind? I'm not going to tell you which one of the three it was. Or, Pete, or was I just it, didn't get my victory point. That's all you need to know. Was it the one in the middle that just straight up gutted itself because it was cursed? That Harikari itself. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a I'm not a big fan of Vendetta in general because that's happened to me way too many times where somebody's just like, "Oh, I'm going to kill this model," and that was my Vendetta choice. And I'm like, "Well, there goes two points for me." Well, yeah, because it's. It would be different if it was just killing that model, but the fact that you got to also keep the one alive. So there's two ways that that plan can go kind of cattywampus yeah. on you, right? And so. if they, well, one, if they kill the model even before they damage it, because that model is the one that has to damage it below half to get your point. The, the other question that I had is, as I'm, as I'm learning, right? Like, is there... So could you go through each of the factions? Because I'm sure that there are other people learning as well. And give us maybe like a master that their box is such that like they're just kind of a good uh, catch-all where like they kind of have that jack-of-all-trades element where you're able to play a bunch of different styles with them. So I think you mean like the one out of that faction that it's like, they can play against like 60% of the drops. Sure. Or, or, or just as many as possible. Like they're the, they're the most balanced master box that you can get for the faction. So that if you're learning, you learn that and then you can at least like hang in there with most of them. And then, you know, eventually you have to expand out and ch cherry pick matchups and all that kind of stuff. It's actually kind of a hard question. Cause there's I know, that's why I asked many... of you, you're supposed to be the wizard at this. <laughs> Okay. Well, I heard that you're like a ranked player or something. So yeah. <laughs> apply that ranking to this question. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But the factions really are balanced pretty well. So a lot of the masters can do a bunch of different things. Um, I guess with Arcanists, uh, Kyrus is kind of a really good starting master for them. She has some decent ranged attack. She has run and gun, has some pretty good mobility, can put out some good damage, uh, really get to a bunch of places. That's actually the second master that I started with. Not, not a really high learning curve with her. And you get to set a bunch of things on fire. 
I guess a good starting captain with Bayou. I guess Ma's kind of out there right now. She's probably one of the better Bayou factions. We don't have a Bayou player in our meta, so I really only go in by hearsay, but she's got some decent guns. Uh, she can play a couple different styles, or she can bring in Soulstone Miners, which if you know anything about them, they can just pop up anywhere on the board they want. They can score schemes like nobody's business. Yeah. So that's the one, that's like the fat goblin with the spoon, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the one that in my uh, fate deck, it's the black joker, it's the ma, and she's like in a <laughs> bikini, and it's it's pretty good. That sounds disgusting. It, it really <laughs> is, but it fits so well. Oh, yeah. I laugh every so time I those, see that one. With those Bayou ones, my understanding is like they're real, like fucking wild, right? Like they're like it's the type of thing where it's like, yeah, let's throw a grenade, and that grenade could go anywhere, and it could blow up your own guys, and it could blow up all of your opponent's guys. Like it, they're just like there's a lot of randomness to them, almost. That was more in the the two e the the randomness okay. is really cut down. There are some models that have four triggers that you must declare a trigger. Some of them damage your own guys. Um, I know, for example, in May, the uh, the survivors that I can use, they have a trigger called throw your arm at them, which hurts themselves, but then adds damage to the attack and throws scrap around. So okay. the randomness is kind of towed down, but some of their models do hurt themselves to get more. Yeah, I do like their mechanics, though, just because like, if you like playing a faction i think that does things their own way like isn't there models in that faction where it's like oh you can cheat out of your discard you know pile instead of your you know your your pile and it's like oh and you treat black jokers as red jokers and crazy crap like that yeah and then you also got uh the drunken kung fu as well on some of their models where they treat the positives as negatives and negatives as positive yeah um, yeah I forget which mod it was. I think it was. No, it wasn't Big Baron Baron. I forget. But one of them was like, your opponent treats all black jokers as red jokers and all red jokers as black jokers. Yeah. Yeah. So if you like kind of like a crazy different play style and if you love goblins and pigs, hey, this is your faction. Yeah, I, I just I, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, let me just go crazy. But sorry for that aside. Like, OK, who's who, who's the next uh, good yeah, starting who, point? Who's, who's good in the guild, Brandon? Um, I've been looking at Hoffman a lot. I haven't looked at, once again, we don't have many guild players. I think we only have one and Bryce, which, you know, he's Bryce. But anyway, uh, Hoffman, <laughs> Hoffman's kind of good. He uh, He's kind of a bubbly crew. He can put out a lot of damage. He's got a lot of armor. He's uh, not very... What's the word I'm looking for? He doesn't punish you hard for making too many mistakes. Uh, if you want to go killing, I hear Lady Justice is a good place to go with her. She has leaps and great sword, which min three that can get plus flips to damage. Pretty brutal. Yeah. Okay. Just uh, stay away from... I don't want to say stay away, but if you play Nelly or Lucius, just be prepared to have a headache trying to figure them out. They're great. They're so hard. Okay. 
All right, and that's kind of a good transition into what's the next one, the Netherborn or whatever they're called? Yeah, Neverborn. Uh, kind of went over that one a little bit. It's really Nekima. She's pretty much the most straightforward. Uh, Neverborn don't have too many good scheme runners. They can't do too many shenanigans as far as that goes. So she's probably a good place to start for Neverborn. Kind of this winged demon chick. Now, I've seen this a couple times, Brandon, with the defense, because I'm looking at her stats as a on her card. And for her defense, she has the five crows. Does that mean that she just has a crow built into her defensive flip? Yeah. So she will always get the smite trigger. Okay, so she'll always get that trigger of a spite, which um, basically if that mo- attacking model cheated, she just gets to draw cards. Yeah. Which, which is pretty cool. That's a pretty cool trigger. That black blood is also insane as well. Once again, I, I played against Brian a couple times against Nekima, and I couldn't figure it out for the life of me playing her. Uh, that was when I first started out. So I have yeah. ideas against it, but that black blood, if you're not aware of it, can hurt a lot. So what about the outcast? Who's a, a master in there that you feel like is pretty solid against most um, oncomers? Uh, Vix. Yeah. Don't fucking tell me lies. <laughs> I know. I know what can happen with them. No, the the Vix. Uh, the Vix. Although they are more straightforward, there is a lot more to them. I feel. So, in all honesty, as far as the best thing that I can tell you, Chris, is stick with them. If you really like them, the Vix are they're good. You just need to figure them out. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of potential there. I just think that Chris got his, you know, I'm going to murder the crap out of you blinders on, and then he just refused to play the second half of the game, which was the scheme. So, um, yeah, because we did we did cursed idols, and he didn't even really mess with the idols at all, whereas I was putting him on his side of the board. Well, that's kind of difficult when you use up all your activations trying to kill a guy that refuses to die. Well, they're already dead, so you can't kill what is already dead. When you're trying to unanimate <laughs> Frankenstein, whatever you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, okay, what about the uh, Rezzers, Brandon? Right now, I would say Seamus and uh, McMorning are probably the two easiest to get into. McMorning's a straight-up murder machine, which he ignores a lot of stuff once you get him into combat. Uh, yeah. He's got. Was that precise? Yeah, precise. He ignores armor, hard to wound, hard to kill, and shielding. So, oh God, yeah. Um, okay, and we already and we already got the ten thunders as far as like who you thought was good in there. Yeah, yeah. old monk. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'm going to, and this will kind of segue a little bit here, but going to a my first Malifaux tournament, and. I've been kind of playing three different crews for the Outcasts. I've been playing uh, Levy. I've been playing Daw, obviously. And I've also been playing uh, Parker. So looking at my first Malifaux tournament, obviously, Brandon, I'm not new to the miniature scene, but what are some like tips and tricks you would give somebody to? It's like, yeah, you're, you're a gamer, but this is your first Malifaux tournament. What are some things that um, maybe I should expect or plan on? Uh, I mean, the biggest thing with any of these Malifaux tournaments that I've really noticed, it's kind of a lot of like the guild ball. My biggest suggestion is just have fun. 
don't care yeah. if you win or lose. All these guys are there, especially if they know you're you're new. Most of them will help you out. It's a great community so far that I've seen. But uh, I guess the second biggest tactical thing would be play what you're most comfortable with. Don't try to tech out against other people. Just play what you know. Uh, you're in a tournament. This is a lot different than Guild Ball. So time is a huge constraint. When I first started playing, it took me four or five hours to finish a game. And in here with no yeah, death clock, no death clock, it's really hard to get a full game in, especially when you're newer, if you're playing something you don't know. So how long generally are the rounds in these tournaments, uh, Brandon? When we first started, we were doing two-hour rounds. Uh, most TOs have started taking them up to uh, 2.15, even some 2.30, two and a yeah. half, you know. Yeah, because that's definitely one thing I noticed. Like, we were playing yesterday at the shop, and somebody came by, and they're like, are you guys still playing the same game? And we're like, well, one, you know, Chris is new, and I'm somewhat new, because, you know, that was probably maybe my seventh or eighth game. And two, but- don't judge us. Yeah, <laughs> don't you judge us for our slow play. <laughs> so, I mean, my it does... fault, his guys won't die. I'm doing everything well, I can. Well, not only that, I think it's also like a lot of the triggers take a while for you to learn. So until you naturally have those, it, it's kind of like it just takes a while to like read your card and figure out the triggers. And you're like, oh, I can do this and that and plan out your turn accordingly. So, I mean, it's, I think it's safe to say, Brandon, that probably one of the things you're going to talk about is just like learn your one or two crews and just learn their cards so that way you can play them smoothly. Yeah, that that's definitely a big one. Um, you know, for a gamer, I know you and Chris have played these kind of games before. So for you guys, it would be different from somebody coming straight into it. Somebody coming into this game from only playing maybe one or two miniatures game, I always suggest, and it's pretty unanimous, of get a crew, learn the crew. Uh, I think it was Craig from Third Wolf, Third Floor Wars had a good point of until you can play a game without looking at your card, you don't know the crew. Yeah. And I think that's, that was a pretty good statement. Yeah, I think that even for somebody who has experience with other games, like I think a lot of people know that I like to bounce around between like factions and guilds and all this stuff and crews. And I've really kind of made myself stay focused on just the outcast, but not just like even bouncing from master to master. Like I'm I'm specifically focused on three very different play styles of crews. Like that's why I picked Daw, Levy, and Parker because they're very different play styles. And then I even have a fourth crew with the Vix where, you know, I can also play that if I want. So I just haven't yet because I'm trying to get these three down first. Yeah. When you first told me that I, I almost fell over. Cause I know when I ask you what guild you play in guild ball, you say, yes. <laughs> and I mean, I, I'm a, I was a, I fell victim to that too. I mean, I've only been playing since the beginning of the year and I already yeah. own two full complete factions. Uh, it's not as many as some other people, but once that, yeah. And I think, it. I think another reason why I'm trying to just stay with that is because I know the more tournaments I get in, the more I'm going to see stuff that I like. And then that's when I'll probably be like, Ooh, let me go ahead and, you know, get this other faction and, you know, get into that. 
Yeah, there's definitely yeah, a bunch I of. I will own them. I will own the outcasts. No, I'm. I like so the outcasts. I I like a lot, and I'll keep them for a while just because the models are really sweet. Plus, I like the kind of flavor of them, like the undead stuff. I love. Um, I think that the. I just I just think that they play really slick. Just how like you you don't play directly in that the the tormented just mechanic of just drawing cards is just it's just a lot of fun i tell you yeah that's that's why i started with uh may fang i was looking up and i read her abilities her big thing is every part of her crew has the ability to just teleport to any scrap marker if they have one within an inch of them to any other scrap marker within 12 inches regardless of engagement line of sight when i saw that i'm just like okay that's me you know how much I like movement shenanigans. Yeah, and that that's one thing that I loved with just I love those moments when it's like your opponent just knows that they either know or they they figure out that you're put into really bad choices and that's why I like the tormented keyword because I like cursing the other models on my opponent. And Chris was to a point where he's like, well, I'm just going to kill her so you don't get these benefits. And it's like, well, if you do, I'm just going to get that guilty model back. And he's like, well, I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> which, which, Chris, I know that you kind of did it just to, you know, do that. But it actually was a pretty good choice because that way I couldn't do damage to her to draw more cards off of her. So it actually was a pretty good choice. Well, and I actually got something for killing her. So, yeah. Um. Hey, Brandon, let me ask you this question, and please do what you can to avoid giving me a well-it-depends answer. Like, <laughs> um, when, as general guidance with playing your hand, um, do you want to... I feel like as I was playing, I was like, okay, I almost want to use up this hand or prioritize the use of the hand on my key models or, you know, my master, you know, my henchmen, because those are the activations that are like the most important. Or do you feel like you want to kind of keep that hand and use it kind of evenly throughout the turn? Like what, what guidance do you have about using that hand and, and kind of spacing out the benefits of what's in your hand? Uh, one of the first things to kind of go on that one is if you yeah, have a, it depends. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I fell victim to this so many times of I have the red joker in hand and I always wait for that perfect moment to use it. Don't okay. be afraid to use that red joker. If you need it, use it. Because if it stays in your hand, that means it's not getting flipped. You're not using it for turns. Uh, you definitely want to use your hand on some of those better models. Um I mean, your control hand is one of your biggest resources in the game. And and when you when you're using that resource, um, do you have any guidance as far as balancing out? Like, would I rather be trying to use that to boost hits, or should I be trying to use it to boost my damage? Like, there's a lot of times where I'm like, okay, I want to hit on this, but you know, this is a, a, a some high number, right? A thirteen, a twelve, you know, and I, I, is it better to just like fail on that hit, but then save that for like doing a big burst of damage at a key point? Like what's the, 
do you have any guidance as far as that direction? Um, I don't know if this is what you want, but if it's going to score you points, do it. No matter okay. what it is, if it's going to score you a point, definitely use it. Okay, um, so, so, so prioritize the use of the hand in areas that are going to result in victory points. That's a good, uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I think something else you need to look at with your hand, too, is, like, you want to look at triggers that you need. So, like, a lot of times, if I know I want certain triggers, and this might happen more, you know, because I was playing Jack Daw and also Parker kind of like certain things as well, but... Like when I, when I want a certain trigger, if I don't like that, like if I don't have that a lot in my hand, I might stone to, you know, discard and draw a couple cards up or, you know, I might try to cycle through my deck to find those more because a lot of times you just, you need those certain triggers for your thing to work. And then I also, a lot of times, and you can, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, but I'll even cheat out cards and still lose the duel just to mitigate you know, how much damage I'm potentially taking from the damage flip. Like when I was playing Chris, I, I cheated out. I went from like a, maybe a five to like an eight. And Chris is like, well, I still win the duel. I was like, yeah, but now you're at a double negative instead of just a single negative. So I, I think that's also worth cheating out when, when the moment is right. Like when you're under attack on a key piece and you're trying to keep it alive. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've done that many of times. Cheating up, there's a huge difference between your opponent being on a straight flip and a negative flip. You know, if you give them a straight flip, they have a potential to just be like, okay, well, here's a red joker damage. Um, and uh, I was also going to hit on triggers as well. When you first look at your hand at the start of your turn, this is what going getting to know your models are. Know what not even attacks, but what simple duels you need. What triggers do you need for those duels? If you're playing a summoner, what's your highest mask in hand? Can I get this off with the cards in my hand, or do I need to get lucky on the flips? So think about those incidental duels as well. Okay. And when you're... Again, this is another just question about your hand and, and me learning how to use it properly. Is there any advice that you have as far as, like, it's not worth discarding this if it's over a certain number or you know, like for example is it worth discarding fives is it worth like you know it, it should i should i discard anything that's lower than a than an eight like i mean what what advice do you have as far as like what do you get rid of what do you make sure to keep in your hand uh i generally try not to discard anything higher than a seven I know you're not going to like this answer, but it does also depend on your crew. Now, to elaborate like, on yeah, that, like not for just the suit benefits. Exactly. For some of your totems, you might only need a four, but you need a certain suit. For example, your Midnight Stalker, you need that mask, I think, for the leap, but you only need a three. Okay. So discarding that three of masks could hurt. You might want to keep it so you can guarantee that leap. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, so generally speaking, discard things that are below a seven, but if they're of an important suit for your crew, then it sometimes is worth holding on to lower numbers of certain suits depending well, on your crew. I, I would also mention, Chris, like, for example, with your VIX, you got to discard a card to activate that next Vic immediately, right? So sure. if, when you have your opening hand, you probably want to keep a low card 
just so that way you know that's a low card I'm getting rid of. It's not in the deck. It's not in my hand. Yeah, that's a good point too. Uh, another little so like Jack Daw discards a ton of cards. So I, I like I don't care if I have two or three low ones in my hand for Jack Daw because I'm going to get rid of them anyways. Yeah, Juggernaut's another big example. But I was also going to say the little tech part for the hand that a lot of people, and it took me a couple of times to realize it, I would get the Black Joker in hand, and I would not discard that thing for the life of me. I kept that in my hand the whole game, because if it's in your hand, you will never flip a Black Joker. So, so, and, you, you, and you're saying that that is the way to play it, or you're saying it isn't? It is. That's I've started doing that, and I will not discard it until turn four or five. If I see it in my opening hand, I love it. I'm playing with well, cards down, so, but... Do you feel that you have to have Arcane Reservoir to do that then, Brandon? Because basically you're just playing a five-card hand then. In certain crews, yes. In certain crews, no. I know Chris hates this dependency. But, for example, when I play Mei Fang, she has the ability to add any suit she wants. Um... Others really draw cards, but in generally, I like to keep it for at least a turn or two. It hurts me, but I'd rather play down a card than flip that damage, that black joker, on a kill shot. Okay. So, yeah, and, and I recognize that, like, so many of the answers in games like this is, well, it depends. The reason why I say try to give me an answer, and, and for those people listening, the reason why... I intentionally try these broad strokes is as somebody gets more experienced, they know when it depends and they know when to throw out the rule of thumb. But for those people that are learning and new, it's good to have some broad stroke guidelines so that they have like a compass for how they should yeah. be yeah. directing their efforts. And so that that's why I say that, like, cause I recognize that we can, and, and we've definitely done it. Like we've had interviews where, um, the entire the entire vice from the person was, well, it depends, well, it depends. And it's like, you know, how how are we supposed to supposed to get our footing if it always depends, but we can't decipher that because we're so new. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I get that. All right. So, Chris, any any other questions that you're like, oh, man, yeah, I just totally need to figure this out. Yeah. I'm, OK, so let me ask you this as far as like expanding for me personally, I've got those Vicks. You're saying that's the one that like can be the good starting point, the jack of all trades. What is the next step for me that gives me the next piece of balance to deal with things that they're going to do poorly against? What's what's my next my next purchase, my next buy if I decide to so keep these guys? Do you want something for your crew, or are you looking for another, a new crew to play? No, no, no. I'm looking for something for my crew. So, so, so let's say I agree with you, and I decide that I'm going to keep... Because if I don't decide to, I'm doing, uh, to do that, I'm going to go like and try those Tender Thunders out. But, um, and then the, I, I'm at that point. But if I decide to keep these Victorias, what is the next addition for me to be able to balance out what the Victorias maybe handle poorly. Well, I, th I know a couple of ones that we've already mentioned is just getting some solid flex picks to kind of help you just manage the battlefield a little bit. So like, I think most people would agree. Rusty Alice is just a really solid pick just because she, she kind of does what your Vicks do, Chris, but she does it at range. Like her gun is a three, four five. 
at 12 inches away and ignores hard to wound. So Rusty Alice would have been a really good flex pick to kill like my stuff for Jack Dawes crew and other, other crews as well, just because if you hit that high end damage, I mean, you're almost killing some of my models with just one shot. So, I mean, she's definitely one where I would say that's one you would probably want to add to it if you get a chance. Do you agree with that, Brandon? Does Pete know what he's talking about? Yeah, that's okay. Rusty Alice is pretty good. I've heard some people taking her. I've seen Ashes and Dust been taking on a lot of different crews. Um, Yeah, Chris saw her too, or saw that too. (laughs) um, The Hodgepodge Emissary. Uh, This is also, don't take this too too lightly i haven't played too much outcasts i just go by what i've been hearing and what i've seen which isn't much to be honest but the hodgepodge emissary i think would be good possibly with the vix because he has the uh ability to make your vix faster uh he's got move along so friendlies that start within three inches of him gain an extra inch of move plus he can throw out some extra upgrades and a little bit of incidental healing hmm yeah, so that kind of gets some of the healing there, Chris. Gets you some extra, um, gets movement. You can hinder your opponent. I mean, he's riding, you know, a donkey, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah, one of his uh, abilities to hand out is "Don't mind me." Uh, one of his upgrades gives it, and that means that you can interact while still engaged, or if you take the disengage action, so you can throw it on the Vix and just laugh as you interact right while somebody's trying to kill you. Hmm. And then with the pushes, you can get out and do a lot more. Okay. All right. I will consider some of those additions. I will also consider some 10 Thunders. Yeah, I think that uh, something that is good for new players is obviously if you just have like the one box, that's, that's all you have to deal with. But I think one thing that took me a minute to wrap my head around was the fact that going out of keyword is where you start kind of a lot of the countering back and forth goes because even if let's say I counter Chris's crew, his master really well, I can still counter that and get myself back into being almost even if I have some really good selections with some of my out of keyword choices. And like I said, for outcasts, we're looking at like rusty Alice, you know, ashes and dust, even some of the free core stuff is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, there, I think there's the, a lot of the fry core engineer, engineer I've seen taken out. He can give out focus and shielding. I yeah. mean, sorry, focus and concealment. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was telling Chris. Like, if you know, you're going to get shot at, you want to bring some of those, uh, tech pieces to help you out. And that's just kind of playing around with it. Cause obviously we don't have the whole faction yet. But if you stick with it, Chris, that's the one thing I would say is start branching out with, you know, what models will help me do this. Um, Also, I don't know why I forgot about this, but Hans and the Midnight Stalker are never bad choices to bring in. Um, You don't like the, the stand back and shoot tactic, but Hans is a good little addition. He can he has a sniper ability, which means he can shoot from 24 inches away. He can get free suits. And stat, he can uh, has a bunch of good triggers. He has the ability to stun people, stagger them. Slow. Yeah, he can slow them. Hans is really good. Yeah, so I think it's just 
doing what you like to do, Chris, but also just bringing pieces that will help stop the opponent from just tearing your game plan apart. So I'd, I'd say don't be afraid to go out a keyword because I think like especially going into the game as a newer player, that's something that would be challenging for a lot of people is like, okay, I get that this isn't in keyword, but why would I bring that? And that's just trust me. The problem was not that I was afraid to go out a keyword. I think it was. I think it wasn't because I don't even consider that shit. <laughs> so I know for a fact it was not. <laughs> if I could have brought something in another fucking guild that, well, guild, sorry, in another crew that would have been available, I would have been willing to do that. All right. Well, well actually, that is a, now that he, he mentioned that, that does give me a uh, another good thing to point out to some people. When you're looking at a new guild or a new uh, master, double check the other factions because there are some cards and some models that are out of faction for that keyword. For example, I go back to Mei Fang, but that's just what I play. You know, she's dual master, so she has models in Arcanist and Ten Thunders, but she also has models in Bayou. So that's another thing. Yeah. Look mm, at those that's out of, in keyword, but out of faction. Yeah, and that's just, it. it's kind of like just one of the ways to kind of smartly game because like going back to Jack Dog, because that's what I'm playing is, you know, I can also now start getting some Rezzer stuff and start using that in, you know, my Jack Dog crew. So like the Hanged, I want to start putting into a lot of my lists just because that helps uh, with a lot of stuff that I'm doing. And, you know, and then one, uh, honestly, down the road, I'm probably going to get into Rezzers just because I'm naturally going to flow into that having Jack Daw. Yeah. Oh, Hanged was the model that uh, makes your opponents treat Red Jokers as Black Jokers. So if you want to piss off Chris, definitely get Hanged. Yes, that's what I need. You're not doing what we brought you on here to do. <laughs> this is not a help Pete session. You know, and, I got, and you want to know what, Chris? The hanged model also has terrifying. Terrifying 12. Yep, pretty good. Dude, I have some badass chicks with swords. They shouldn't be afraid of jack shit. This is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I, thought about that on, I thought about that on some of my stuff. Like, how is a giant golem with no mind, no brain, afraid of things? Like, don't Yeah, really I agree. I'm, I don't get how they... Like, I, I almost think that it's kind of one of those things where, like, the masters, at least, shouldn't be afraid of shit. Like, you're fucking masters. Like, you shouldn't be freaking out. But, whatever. Well, and it it, it is something that I think a game also develops. And, and it's... You do have to be careful with how powerful a mechanic like that is going to be. Um, yeah, it's too powerful. I, I'm aware. I don't think I don't think it is though, because like Warhammer of Fantasy, you, don't, you just kicked my ass. Well, no, it, Warhammer uh, it, Fantasy it, used to have a terror mechanic where you you ran away if you failed your morale test. But at least in this game, even if you fail it, you have the ability to cheat out to make that check. So, and you can also focus to get like a positive flip on it. So there's ways to mitigate it. So I don't think it's overpowered. I don't think it's overpowered. Rezzers are definitely really strong in it. It's just something that you got to know you're coming into, and it's something you can prepare. That's uh, why I like this a lot, because once you choose which masters, you have a good idea of what's coming at you. 
Yeah. So like if you choose Jack Doll, I can I, I have a feeling I'm going to have a lot of staggered on my models and I'm going to have a lot of terrifying coming at me. Yeah, and I think this is just one of those games. It's kind of like when we used to play a lot of War Machine, Chris, where it's just like it's just going to take a while for you to understand your matchups and like which which guys bring what and what the certain mechanics are and then your counters to it. And once you learn the keywords, which is why I'm actually kind of glad they switched to keywords because from what I understand, it wasn't like that in 2E. So in 3E, the keywords kind of mostly being the same makes it a lot easier to kind of keep track of what what the crews are trying to do. Yeah, but even when we played War Machine, I just played Butcher every time. Butcher 3. (laughs) So I need somebody that I can do that with. No one is surprised by that. I, I, I... Late breaking news for everyone. Yeah, I honestly think you would be a lot better off in some of the Thunders matches because they do have a lot more. Uh, a lot of their versatile models can really put on a lot of damage. Okay, well, I'm willing to consider that. Well, you know who has a lot of ten Thunders? You can uh, you can play with there, Chris. Yep, our boy Scott. Yep, the boy. <laughs> well, if you're ever down in Georgia, you can use some of mine. Hey, well, speaking of which, are you going to? Uh, are you going to be at that tournament on the 22nd, Brandon? Uh, hopefully, I'm going to try. Uh, I need to work some stuff out for work because I work third shift now, so I don't get off until 8:30 in the morning, and it's a right. two and a half hour drive. So it, tournament starts at 11. So cutting it close. So I got to try and work around for work. Well, it's at Borderlands, so, I mean, at least, you know, you'll be out of there probably by, like, 7.30. Yeah, well, the getting home part's not a problem. It's the getting to there. It's the problem. Yeah, it's the getting up and getting there on time. Yeah. But I know uh, we got a bunch of people from our meta that's supposed to be going. We even pushed back our tournament. We were supposed to have a – we got a grow league going right now tournament was supposed to be that weekend and we all pushed it back because most of the players here want to go yeah i i miss misinterpreted that uh that poll definitely because i was like yeah i mean i'm going to this tournament so you guys shouldn't have one that day and they're like yeah we know that's the purpose of this poll i was like oh sorry reading (laughs) reading my bad and you're supposed to be a teacher i mean i am can't even follow instructions Listen, listen, I'm not a nerd, okay? <laughs> yes, you <laughs> are. <laughs> Readings for nerds. <laughs> wow. All right. So, yeah, if you're uh, if you're in the States and you want to go to a tournament uh, for Malifo, South Carolina, Greenville area, that's uh, going to be the 22nd at Borderlands. So that's going to be a fun one. And I think uh, kind of going into it, just kind of wrapping up the podcast here, don't forget about Spring Fling. Tickets oh, yeah. still available for that going to be a lot of gaming and uh so many different games that they're putting out there yeah you do not know how much i miss guild ball it is dead <laughs> down here well i don't want to say it's dead you know gabe brian and uh alan we got a couple new players still play it but they play on a day that i can't so it kind of Dude, sucks. go to spring fling man flights are like so cheap from like atlanta to to dulles just find a way to get there if i could believe me i would you know, that's, that's, that's when I know I'll be at a really good, you know, nerd spot when I can go to like all the tournaments, you know, I, I want to, and I don't have like, you know, all the, all the conflicts and hangups that I have like right now, but we're, we're getting there. 
one of the interesting things about Guild Ball and why Malifaux and other games like Crisis Protocol and Song of Ice and Fire and all these other games that are coming out that are just like amazing right now is that we really are in like almost this golden age of like tabletop gaming where there are so many games that people can be pulled to that it they kind of really compete with each other and and I mean as far as like I know most people are thinking is like Guild Ball kind of seems like on the on the downswing of that and we'll see if the ship gets righted but you know right now there's a lot of other games that are taking people's attention away from it even a lot of the competitive like Europe players I'm watching like there there's a lot of them that are doing like a Song of Ice and Fire tournament and a Crisis Protocol tournament and you know it it even if they are doing a Steam Forge game most of them are playing God Tier right now so I don't, I don't know yeah God Tier uh, might be the game of the future Steam Forge games aren't really that big down here the the direct to uh the store direct kind of killed the supply down here in georgia uh, also malifaux is really big because they're based right down the street in marietta i can drive an hour to their uh offices yeah that's pretty cool well, maybe and, you can find us some good fate decks that people are looking to get back on their website <laughs> well that was the problem that malifaux had too right weren't they kind of like a little taken back by like how big of an interest there was with three E. So they actually had to like get a huge resupply. Oh, definitely. They're, they're still trying to uh, recover from some of that with the, especially with the Archie model, that silly fucking hat just sold so many models. And it's funny listening to some of the uh, employees. um, Some of the people that come up to the shop actually work for weird and yeah. You know, they, they talk about all the time how many models that silly hat sold, and it's funny. That yeah. little pirate hat for Archie. I mean, it's also you know kind of interesting. I think it was my third time playing up here at Giga. I'm just shooting shit with some guy talking about Malifaux, and he just turns around and goes, oh, you know I'm a developer, by the way. <laughs> like, oh, sweet. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, and that's how I, I say, that offended you. Okay. <laughs> well, it was during the open beta, so I actually think I don't know if I was helping or not, but I was telling them how I felt about some of the mechanics, and it was during the beta, so I don't know if it helped or not. You weren't like talking a bunch of mad shit. No, I was honestly glad I wasn't. But no, I have nothing bad about the game to say. Really, there's a couple things that irritate me here and there. There's a couple things I don't like, but overall. It's honestly one of the better games I've played. Well, so, I mean, what I would say is, like, if you're looking, like, so that's the thing, like, with Guild Ball, that was my competitive game, and it's really kind of fallen to the wayside, and it's hard to get, you know, a competitive game of Guild Ball together, because it's hard to get that many people that want to play it in an environment like that. Like, Spring Fling and the Bourbon Trail Open, those are really, like, the tournaments that I would have choices of going to, whereas, you know, with Malifaux really competitive game set you know complex it's not quite to the level of like infinity but it's kind of approaching that Mm -hmm. and it's not like something like god tier which god tier is kind of like right now like i like to call it a beer and pretzels kind of like game where it's fun to play but you know i wouldn't want to be competitive with it and that's why i've really started kind of focusing in on malifaux because i really do like you know the strategy tactics and competitive nature that the game just naturally brings 
Yeah, and you're also not in a bad location either. You got the guys up in Raleigh. The Greenville guys are getting into it. You're a little bit farther here to Atlanta, but you got a good amount of tournaments that, if you don't mind driving, you can get to. Oh, you, you know us, Brandon. We, we don't mind driving in the south. And even up in, uh, I, I don't know if it was Nashville or if it was Knoxville, but they had a they had some Malifaux going up there too. And, yeah, definitely it, it's a game that gets played pretty much anywhere you would find tabletop gaming. After all those years of Pete talking shit, now he likes Malifaux. Hey, you just got to give it a chance. It's kind of like the TGI Fridays of uh, tabletop. So maybe <laughs> Wow. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe. I mean, hey, I went back and, you know, had a decent meal at TGI Fridays, and now I'm enjoying Malifaux. So it just goes to show you, you got to cross things off your uh, book of grudges once in a while. <laughs> You're ridiculous. You know, get some white out, just put something else there. Put it out I'm your assuming mind. You've, uh, you've told the TGI Friday story on your podcast. Oh, it, right? ha- it has been oh, told. It's been okay. Told. <laughs> Those that are new will have to go find it somewhere. Or if you see me at a tournament or something, come talk to me about it. But I'm like, we're not going to bring it on right now. But um, yeah, any parting blows or any anything else you guys have before we uh, can get out of this thing? So uh, everyone can stay tuned as far as if uh, they might get a set of Victorias for on cheap. Uh, if things keep going shitty for me. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep trying to give them a go, and I appreciate Brandon's advice. Brandon, what were you going to add? Uh, I was going to say, I don't know, do you still end your podcast with a rage quit story? Because you know I have that good one. Hey, we're always open for a rage quit story, even though some people hate them, because that makes us want to say them even more. Dude, I just gave a great rage quit story. I'm, I'm, I know yeah. I'm pulling my weight on this today. Yeah, let, yeah let's, hear, let's hear you top that, Brandon. All right, so this goes back to when I come down the first round, or final round, played Fish, also played War Machine and Horde. So I drove two hours to get to this game shop to play him, telling Pete throughout the whole time of us setting this league up, I want to play anybody except him. (laughs) (laughs) So once again, after driving two hours and working all night long, I get up there and find out I'm playing Juan. Throughout the, whole, <laughs> throughout the entire game, models get bumped around as they are. I'm tired. I'm not playing the, the best. It's only a little grow league. We didn't have good prize support. So if a bump, model bumped, I gave him, like, sure, you're in. You're you're like, you know, quarter inch out. Fine. Go ahead and take it. I might have bumped a model somewhere and did not get any final courtesies. The final straw was when I went to go for the winning shot. He tells me, oh, you passed through three different models, so I get three different parting blows from you. And I just snapped uncharacteristically. I stood up, and I I don't know if it was at the top of my lungs, but I'm pretty sure it was close. I just told him he drained the life out of this game. He drained the life out of me. I'm not even going to play it. I left without even packing up my models, and my buddies (laughs) packed my models up for me that I drove with, and I almost left them there with no ride back to Myrtle Beach because I was just so annoyed and pissed off. <laughs> and that's when Joe turns to me. He's like, do you hear what's going on over there? And it was loud because that was a big league. We had like close to like 15 people in that league, 16 maybe. But he's like, do you know, do you hear what's going on over there? I'm like, no, what's going on? He's like, Brandon just flipped out on, you know, his opponent. And 
And he just stormed off. I was like, what is going on? And I had to go over there and figure out. And, you know, the, it's one of those things where the person was, you know, they're, they're not the most personable person in the world. Like, I think they have a they have a problem reading their opponents sometimes and does like to drain the fun out of, you know, the game because they are competitive. So I, I definitely understood where Brandon was coming from. But yeah, it, it was it was definitely an interesting rage. So let me let me just kind of add a little piece here um, because this is somebody that like so recently I moved and I moved into a neighborhood right next to him and uh, he's been trying to like get some people to game and now we do like kind of a rotating game night that like is every two weeks. And we just play like different board games, right? They're not they're not competitive list building type tabletop games, right? And it has been nothing but pleasant. Like it has been it has been a totally solid experience. We have none of those none of those incidents or interactions. And I'm somebody that like I'll definitely be one that can like butt heads and stuff too. But mild shock. <laughs> But we haven't had anything like that because I feel like for some people, like toning down the level of investment, right? Like, like it sucks for anybody when like they put all this time into like designing a team, building lists and thinking that they're able to like answer these counters and all this kind of stuff. And then shit goes awry. Right. And then failing your terrifying flips. Motherfucker. Why you gotta why, why you gotta like bring this up and like make it all like You just brought it up. Anyway, but the point is, like, I think that sometimes it's just a matter of like dialing it into another space. Oh yeah. Right? Because like we'll we'll play competitive games like uh in the past couple weeks we've played Root, which is an asymmetrical game, and so like there's all sorts of you know problems that can occur in an asymmetrical game where you feel like things aren't fair or aren't balanced. We'll play like Imperial. Like we've played all these different games and we just don't have those incidents. Cause I feel like we just aren't as deeply invested in like yeah. how that in that engagement goes. And so I think that like for a lot of people, and this is just kind of general advice is if you're having like a frustrating time, you know, find a way to maybe dial it into another game. Maybe, maybe you'll do better if you're in a co-op, a co-op game where you're able to be competitive against the game, but on the yeah. same side as your friends or whatever. Yeah. I think, I think kingdom death monster and games like that are really good for like that because it's really competitive. Yeah. It's really competitive, but obviously it's a, it's more you versus it. Yeah. And so, and then, and then at other times, like, and, and I know that he won't care that I, I mentioned this, but like, so at other times, you know, I, there's somebody that like I play a game with and they drive me nuts in the other game, like the, the co-op game or whatever, but they don't drive me as, they don't drive me nuts at all when I'm playing a tabletop game yeah. against them. And Joe's the best example of this, right? Like Joe and I never have a problem when we're playing Guild Ball or any other tabletop competitive game. But if you put him on my side and Axis and Allies and he moves those fucking ships out of those seas and fucks over my guys, I'm going to be pissed every time. Yeah. That yep. was like Axis and Allies 
and more axis against my allies. Well, you know, and just enjoy the people you play with because we're only here for a certain amount of time, right? <laughs> and our time is up here, so make sure that you guys continue to roll dice, throw salt, make your terrifying flips. We're, we're out. Later. <laughs> we we got to change that. <laughs>